grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text for this morning is Luke chapter 9. Here again the part that reads, When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. And so they went on to another village. You may be seated. Well, the announcement has been made by the Supreme Court that Roe v. Wade has been overturned. Many are rejoicing and others are angry. But for our Lord, the goal is the same. As 1 Timothy writes, God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so we read in Luke chapter 9, Jesus resolutely set his face towards Jerusalem. That's how Luke introduces this section of Jesus' ministry. For Jesus has come from Galilee, has entered into a village of the Samaritans, and will go on to Jerusalem. But the Samaritans do not like where Jesus is going. Yet, why should they not like him? He has treated them well. He has gone and healed many of the Samaritans among them. Why couldn't they join Jesus' purpose? Why don't others follow us and join us this morning? Now, we could go ahead and react like James and John to the Samaritans' attitude, calling fire down to consume them. But the question for us is not about the Samaritans. It's not about our country. The question is about us as individuals. Do we like the direction that Jesus is taking us? We all want a better life. We like to make our own choices. If we think that our government, federal, state, or local, will be our savior, even our protector, then we have a false hope. For government can never be our savior. For God's purpose for our government is to curb sin. Government is the rule of law. The law can only reward good and punish evil, as we hear in Romans 13. The law cannot produce the good that God expects and requires, as we read in Romans chapter 7. The Supreme Court, is a good, the Supreme Court decision is a good example. It now allows states to make their own decisions. So, will states now make the right decision? Who knows? Some will. Some won't. Some already have. You may ask then, what good is government? Why should I be involved? We should be involved because that's the way 
things work in this broken world. I want to see this morning how many of you enjoy politics. Nobody's going to raise their hand? Let's try this. How many of you enjoy politics in your family? Before you answer, is there ever anything that you wanted and had to negotiate with your children or even your parents? Sal, you can raise your hand. Guess what? That's politics. You've been practicing it all your whole life. And it gets messy, doesn't it? Especially when husband and wife don't agree. <laughs> when children want something and <laughs> their parents don't think it's a good idea. That's politics. You see, the basic form of government is the family. Parents governing children, each negotiating for what they think is good. As parents and leaders, we should make it easy for those under us to respect us and honor us, doing what is good and right. Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. We also have learned from the fourth commandment, right? Honor your father and mother. Why? <laughs> that it may go well with you and you may live long on the earth. <laughs> they could make your life shorter. If we want things to go well for us, we should always want it to go well for others as well. Whether we like it or not, we are involved in politics, in government, in our family, our community, our state, and our nation, and we should work to do our best. However, we should not be involved in politics to save the world. We should be involved to protect our neighbor who are our neighbors? Our neighbors are the ones who are struggling with addiction. Our neighbors are the ones who struggle with same-sex attraction. The ones who have a child that calls themselves non-binary. The ones who cannot speak for themselves, such as those who are handicapped, the unborn, and those nearing the end of life. They may be even pro-abortion. Our neighbor may have a different religion or no faith at all. There was voting a couple of weeks ago. The North Dakota primary ended on Tuesday. I pray that you voted and that you will vote in November. For we have a responsibility to our neighbor to give them good government which promotes good order. And we are blessed as well. But remember, government is not our Savior. There is only one Savior. He is Jesus Christ. He is also for our neighbor as well. 
are you concerned about their eternal and their spiritual well-being just as Jesus was? Do you go to them as Jesus went to the Samaritans? Your neighbor, no matter who they are, are to live so that they hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the real Savior. But not everybody wants to hear where Jesus is going. The Samaritans saw where Jesus was going, but they wouldn't receive him. Why? Because their place of worship was not Jerusalem. Their place of worship was Mount Gerizim. To accept Jesus meant that they had to accept that they were wrong. In Luke 9, one who is committed to following Jesus, another Jesus invited, but wanted, but both of them wanted to take care of things at home first. One wouldn't follow until his parents were dead and buried. Jesus called to us to follow him no matter where we are in life. Another wanted to follow Jesus, but Jesus warned him because he had not taken into account the cost of following Jesus, because Jesus is no idealist in this broken and breaking world. When Jesus is our Lord, everything in this life is at risk. Do you have a home? Remember that Jesus had no home, no earthly home. Do we have money? Remember, Jesus had no money of his own. We have seen these past two years how angry and destructive people get. And Jesus continues to go to Jerusalem. And he knows what's going to happen there. He goes to his death. Yet when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to Jerusalem. We have set our eyes on Jesus, and he will bring us through our trouble, through death, all the way to our heavenly Jerusalem, where this world is temporary. And his Jerusalem is eternal. So what about our neighbor? Those who practice sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and like things like these? Paul warns, I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are we concerned about our neighbor? So again, Jesus says, follow me. In John chapter 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. Do we want to have eternal life? Follow Jesus. You are the first fruits that will last. Ask your neighbor if they want eternal life. 
Jesus is saying through you to them, follow me. And when they do, they become fruit that will last. When you baptize and teach your children and to trust and love Jesus, Jesus says through you to them, follow me. And when they do, they become fruit that will last. In the midst of our challenges, lack of support, troubles, misguided opportunities, even in the midst of people's oppression and opposition, Jesus does not call hellfire down on us, but chooses us to follow him. In baptism, God has adopted you as his very own. God's word is working and choosing you. In the midst of a coach's sport or sports organization decision to, that your team has to play during worship, God's word comes to you today. In the midst of a job or a health that prevents you from regularly coming to Holy Communion, God's word comes to you today. Today, Jesus comes not to destroy our lives, not to call fire down on us to destroy us and what is around us, but to destroy our sin. To destroy its grip on us. And he does it, as you heard earlier, by the forgiveness of your sin. To cleanse us from what others have placed on us, to shame us, now we are made clean. And that is why Jesus resolutely set his face to Jerusalem. Jesus set his face to Jerusalem to suffer and to die for us, for our own sinfulness, and for us to gain true freedom in Christ. Now we are, bear, we are free to bear the fruit of the Spirit. As St. Paul writes, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. He set us free to truly love our neighbor even when they don't love us. In Luke 9, Jesus has just come out of Galilee and now is in Samaria. He will go through Judea and arrive at Jerusalem for his suffering and death. But his suffering and death did not hold him down. Therefore, our troubles will not hold us down. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Jesus Christ will raise us from the dead. Therefore, Jesus says to his disciples, you are my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the outer ends of the earth. Today, we have not only received forgiveness, but the power that comes from that forgiveness, the power to be free from living from anyone else's expectations, free from living from our past, free from our guilt, free from our shame, free to live out our righteousness that Christ has given to us, no matter what the laws are of our land, no matter what 
a country allows or doesn't allow. We live to bear the fruit of the Spirit simply because of who we are in Christ. We follow Jesus. Amen. Now the peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.